Hello and welcome to What Is My Podcast About. This is a podcast where we sit down fortnightly, talk fortnightly. about, fortnightly. Talk about uh, just random things, see if we can find out exactly what to make a podcast about. We're quite a ways in, we still haven't quite got it, but we'll see what happens. My name is Keith, I am joined by my fellow hosts, Matthew Grace. Hello. And Peter Akerley. Hey! So, before we get started into the topic, of course, we want to keep th- that realm of mystery, see if people can figure out what the episode's about. I will say, I did have some one person tell me directly that they thought we were going to be talking about Scooby-Doo this week because of the ending. I could see why they would think that, but no, not you're, Scooby-Doo. You're wrong. No. No. So, uh, since last time I recorded, a few things have happened. As we did mention last episode, uh, Video Game Awards is coming up. They have since passed. Game of the Award has since gone to Sekiro. Shadows Die Twice. Yes. Well-deserved, actually. Oh, I, I definitely think it was definitely Game of the Year. But see, watching so many people during the event, almost everyone was confident. It's like, it's going to be Death Stranding. Jeff yeah. Keighley loves Kojima too much to not give it to Death Stranding. It's like, but Keighley didn't have anything to do with the voting. Like, if you look at the rules for the voting, the only thing he does is get uh, sponsors and set up the organization of the event. It's actually a bunch of different outlets across the world that actually determine what the winners of each category are, with, I think it's 20% of the popular vote online taken into consideration. That being said, I think we should point out that even though uh, Death Stranding didn't win Game of the Year, it won, like, three other awards, or was related to three other awards. Like, for instance, uh, Mads Mikkelsen won uh, Best Performance for his role in... Uh, Death Stranding. Yeah. And Death Stranding also got the best game direction. Yep. <laughs> Which is <laughs> essentially just giving the Kojima Award. Yeah. Uh, but as for Mads Mikkelsen winning the best performance, I never really considered the performance to be reflective of the form itself. So in movies or games, I yeah. was like, oh, the movie won award. It's like, no, that was the actor specifically winning the award. They just happened to be in the movie. Yeah. Uh, on top of that, <laughs> actually speaking to the director award, uh, what was it? The game that won best art direction. I remember that one because the speech that the person made is like, I'd like to thank the art director for this one. They did a lot of work. It's like, it's the art direction. <laughs> yeah, of course you're thanking <laughs> the art director. Uh, and most of the Game of the Year nominees did win. I think the only ones that didn't was, I think, Outer Worlds and Resident Evil 2 didn't get any awards. Yeah. Which sorry, is a shame because I think Sound uh, was the one I was really like, Resident Evil should get this. They just set the atmosphere so well with it. There was also a, quite a few announcements during the Game Awards as well. We got the look at the new Xbox, which is now called the, the Xbox, Xbox Series, Series X. X. All the naming convention for the Xboxes is blowing my mind. It went Xbox, Xbox 360, Xbox One, Xbox One S, Xbox One X, and now Xbox Series X. What the fuck is their naming convention? I don't know. I'm just glad that there was the X-Bone, and then now we have the sex. (laughs) The other thing on top of this, it just looks like a computer tower. True. It does. (laughs) It sounds like Xbox PC. Got it. Well, it's Microsoft. They just want to make computers. (laughs) PlayStation 5 kind of got an unofficial announcement, because they revealed uh, Godfell, I believe the name of the game, which they're describing as a looter slasher. Which I am incredibly excited for, actually. We have no release date for the PlayStation 5, but the game says, Holiday 2020 PlayStation 5. So we know it has to release by uh, the holiday season. Yeah. Speculation is probably going to be that it was. Part of me, as soon as the Xbox reveal happened, it's like, oh, it's coming to holiday. Part of me believe PlayStation would be like, uh, PlayStation 5, it's out right now. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Fuck you, Xbox. Get fucked, Microsoft. But no, I I knew Warframe was going to do it. As soon as I found out Rebecca Ford was going to be there for making some sort of announcement, I'm like, oh, okay, the new update, Railjack, is going to go live during the Game Awards. Most likely. Uh, A few other things just of note that I enjoyed from the Game Awards. Personally, I was really excited because they revealed that there's going to be a Magic the Gathering MMO. Yeah. So I'm very excited for that. Was there anything that stuck out to you guys that you're looking forward to that was actually a world premiere and not just a 
premiere of it again, but yes. the world premiere. <laughs> I'm incredibly upset that I forgot the name of it, but whatever the uh, the Dungeons & Dragons themed one was... Moro or uh, with Drizzt, Wolfgar, Brunner, Battlehammer, and all them. Oh yeah, I, I forgot the but, subtitle to it. Yeah, it's like Blade Master or something like that. Yeah, but what I'm actually most excited for is Man Eater. <laughs> the you shark become game. an evolving shark that attacks people. It's that, great. The lightning so shark. Just, just to jump back. That's what you're most excited for out of everything that was announced. Well, kind of, aside from the fact that I'm having a ton of fun playing Railjack. That's fair. Okay, fair. Uh, no, the one that's got me the most stoked is the Magic the Gathering MMO. I'm stoked about that. Close second is Vin Diesel coming up on stage and revealing, like, the Fast the Furious game, and then just low-key, it's like, oh, I saw the trailer for Fast 9 the other day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when, when Vin Diesel was up there, he seemed... A little off. I can't, like, the whole time I just help but feel like, is he trying to, like, catch that lightning that Keanu Reeves got during, uh, E3? Yeah, that's, he's just trying to enter meme territory the way Keanu Reeves <laughs> If does. I just say random stuff, don't make me do it. But also at the same time, Keanu Reeves was already a meme. Vin Diesel didn't stand a yeah. chance. Yeah, no. Now, my best, mo uh, my favorite moment of the Game Awards is itself. Well, Honeydew and Beaker uh, giving the award and having Beaker in Goose Game was pretty good. Yes. But when they were doing the song for Cyberpunk, the, like the little video, and yeah. at the end, it shows Elon Musk, and Elon Musk doesn't know what to do. He's like, stands up, starts clapping. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, it's confirmed. Cybertruck's going to be in Cyberpunk. Oh, I'm damn well better. And so I'm definitely hoping that it is. Like, it's... They're tweeting back and forth. It would be so funny if Cybertruck's just in Cyberpunk in some capacity. Yeah. I was pretty pleased with the fact that uh, the game we did a whole episode on one strategy game of the year. Uh, yes. Fire Emblem Three Houses. Yeah. Feels like we're actually shaping what's the game of the year by talking about it. You just wait. Uh, give it us uh, a year and we'll be one of the people on the boards deciding what wins. Well, there won't even exciting. be nominations anymore. People will just come to us and we'll be like, all right, yeah. Three Houses. It wins again. <laughs> Give it to Kojima. All right, and who gets the uh, best sound design? Kojima. <laughs> Did you hear that man's voice? Do you, what what game though? No game, just Kojima. Get moving on to that. Let's say. <laughs> do we happen to have any corrections or emails that we need to go over before we get into the topic? Nope, no corrections or anything. We did get an email, but it was a suggestion for a new topic, so we'll just discuss that when we actually talk about the topic. Which, to be honest, will probably not be too far away. Oh, okay. We'll take a look at that then. Be prepared for the secret. Well, oh. I guess we have to reveal what we're talking about uh, for everyone who didn't look at the title yet. Point of clarification, it is not Scooby-Doo. I also... Is it home improvement? I love how we do this joke every time, even though people very clearly know the topic of the episode. No, they don't. <laughs> uh, so yes, it's close to home improvement. It's a uh, Tim Allen property, which... I know me and Keith have always loved. I don't know if Matt had ever seen it before we decided to talk about this. Uh, it is the Santa Claus movies. Yeah, and well, the... movies specifically. I may have watched all three. <laughs> and to be clear, I have seen this plenty of times. Okay, good. And to be extra clear, Santa Claus, not the name. Yes. The Santa Claus, not Santa Claus. They're two very different things. There's an E on the end of Claus. Or Sandy Claus. Yeah. So let's go into the pretty much the theme of the movie. It's your standard Christmas movie. It's, well, one of the three standard themes. The non-Hallmark version, where, you know, single dad, doesn't make time for his kids, works all the time, divorced, hates the uh, new stepfather, and something ends up happening where he ends up forming a bond with a child, and his life starts going to 
shit pretty quickly because of it. And he has to learn to accept the new changes and all that stuff. Yeah, except that his position in the workplace is not as important as his position in the family. It has all the hallmarks of a Christmas movie, except no one is searching for the meaning of Christmas. Because the meaning of Christmas is searching for Christmas in this one. Yeah. The meaning of Christmas is literally just thrust into the yes. main character. So, essentially, we should just kind of jump right in and discuss the plot real quick, because there are some major points that we're going to want to talk about as we go along. Yeah, so uh, we follow Scott Calvin, played by Tim Allen, uh, who very coincidentally has the initials SC. And also works at a toy company. Yes. <laughs> yes. makes toys. So Already very Santa Claus-like. Uh, so... He is at a Christmas party. We get a few, uh, like, you know, adultery jokes thrown in there. It's like, oh, your wife's not at the party. That's why your secretary's sitting in your lap. Hey! Very dated 90s movie. Yeah. Uh, So he's rushing home. Uh, We get the excellent showing of how how much of an asshole he is, where he's on the phone talking to his ex-wife, saying, oh, traffic is so busy. There's so many people here. And he's just alone on the Yeah, he's driving down an empty road. He, like, screams out his window at no one just to convince people that there's traffic. Uh, anyways, that's when we, he gets home, we meet Charlie, uh, we get a bit of exposition. Apparently, Charlie has recently found out that Santa doesn't exist, and he's like, how dare you tell my son Santa doesn't well, exist? Well, yeah, because the stepdad, who's a psychologist, uh, heard that Charlie went to school and told other kids he still believes in Santa, and the other kids laughed at him. So the stepdad was like, yeah, no, let me just break this child's heart by explaining to him that Santa doesn't really exist. Which... Has a whole other packet of worms that we're going to get into. You know what? No, fuck it. Now's the time. Uh, <laughs> so, in this universe, all the parents like think it's crazy that uh, Charlie, as well as other kids, believe in Santa. At some point, they start thinking Scott's crazy for believing in Santa. But also, Santa absolutely exists in this universe and drops off presents to kids. Do the parents just assume that random people are giving them presents they can't remember or something like that there's so many ways to think about this because it's like they kind of try to play off that as adults get older they just stop believing and then they can't accept anymore so uh, i think that's exemplified because what ends up happening is they have a horrible night he finally gets charlie to bed and then they wake up santa's on the roof santa falls off the roof and they have to deliver the presents in his stead yes but when they wake up the next morning he scott calvin the character does not quite connect what happened he doesn't believe it yeah he assumes it was a dream that he had and then when charlie also starts talking about it rather than being like oh this must have happened he's like oh i must have just told charlie about the dream and not remember it so i think that's how they try to explain why adults don't think of it like maybe they see the presence and then it's like oh well i must have got that i don't remember buying it though but that's what they wanted so yeah so the whole thing when they first got to the north pole and that one elf told them what seeing isn't believing believing is seeing which is entirely the reason why the adults don't understand what's happening. I just think it's fucked up that, like, if adults wanted to check, they have very clear, definitive proof that they presents that they don't remember buying have been purchased, cookies they don't remember eating have been eaten, and milk they don't remember drinking has been drank. But nope, Santa's just a fucking weird myth that people believe in. Let's ruin this kid's life by telling him that Santa's not real. Yeah, it, it just, it's, the rules don't, follow any type of scheme in this too because at the end then all those parents in the neighborhood of yeah. course see santa claus go off does that mean they immediately forget about this like the following day yeah because like in relation to that everyone sees santa claus okay he's actually real he's flying through the sky in a sled pulled by reindeer that are flying and then cut to the second movie which we're not really going to talk about maybe i'm uh, gonna talk about okay it. <laughs> only his kid now like 
teenager in high school, remembers that his father was Santa Claus, is Santa Claus, and also uh, Scott Calvin's ex-husband, wife, wife. Ex-wife and ex-wife. her uh, new husband. Yes. Um, yeah, so I think that one is harking back to that whole seeing isn't believing, believing is seeing, because Scott makes a point of before revealing himself as actually Santa to them, he gives them gifts that he would only know about if he was Santa, and he would only be able to give them if he was Santa. And that is what causes the both of them to clue into, holy shit, Santa's real and he is Santa. Which is why they're the only ones who remember the events after the fact. I mean, to be fair, even though we're skipping to the end of the movie here, they get on board with him being Santa way before those gifts. Yeah. And well, it's... Let's save that for the end of the... We'll only get close to the end of the movie. Because there's something I want to talk about first. So after he delivers all the gifts... And they get to the North Pole. That's when we find out about the Santa Claus. You put on the stuff, you're Santa. No ifs, ands, or buts. You do it. Yeah, Santa Which, died while you were working, so you need to take over the role. But of here's Santa. the thing, because I guess we're getting into conspiracy theories really early in this one. I don't think that Santa died. No, he just fell off a roof. That's all that happened. No, but he falls off a roof, and he waves. And then when they look back, the clothes are empty, and the boots are upright. This man actually got out of the costume and ran off and left the card there because he wanted to get out of the Santa Claus game. He was trapped in the Santa Claus game. So, that's possibly the case. However, fuck, this is going to make me mad. But there are issues with that based on the later movies that we'll just have to address later. Because Scott also, like, has that moment of, like, he starts being Santa Claus and, like, has that realization but very clearly does not want to be Santa Claus and just kind of accepts it by the end of the movie that he has to. But for the first solid chunk of the movie, he very clearly doesn't want to be Santa Claus. He keeps being kind of shoehorned into the role based on the magic bindingness of the Santa Claus. Yeah, the magic that's literally turning him into Santa. Yeah. Yeah, And that's the thing, too. Like, the magic does turn him into Santa. And I think I know one of the things that you're going to bring up because I didn't watch the other two movies, but I remember watching them when I was younger. And there's a big plot, I can't remember if it's the second or the third movie, where he needs to get a wife. Yes. The second yes. movie is The second all about movie that. is all about the Mrs. Claus, which is that Santa Claus needs to find a wife and marry her before that he can actually maintain the role of Santa which Claus. Which is something I wanted to talk about, because when they first get to the North Pole, there's, there's no, no Mrs. Mrs. Claus. But the old Santa Claus definitely had a wife. But here's the thing. If my theory is correct, maybe they both made a run for it. Maybe they planned it out and it just happened to work out that Scott Calvin was the one. Oh, maybe or, Santa landed on Scott's roof and like just decided this was the host and specifically made, just like stomped around on the roof until <laughs> Scott came out and heard them. Or the Mrs. Claus, which is just a shittier version of the <laughs> Santa Claus, where your life is entirely dedicated to Santa Claus and if he dies, you disappear. Yeah, so that is one of the things I wanted to talk about. That was my conspiracy theory, was that he does actually die, and then because of the fact that there's no more Santa Claus that she was married to, she immediately dies. Her life force is tied to Santa Claus. Because it's either she dies, or she gets transported back to normal society with no memory of the past, however long she's been Mrs. Claus. I want to point out, if she does die just because Santa Claus dies... That changes the whole first meeting the elves situation because they're pretty cool for the fact that someone just di- two people yeah. just died. Yeah. Well, also when he first shows up and Bernard's explaining the clause to him, he's all cool with it too. He's like, "Yeah, the other Santa died. You killed him. You're the new Santa Claus. Deal yeah. with it." Yeah. Here's the thing. I feel like I cannot be convinced otherwise that the Santa did not make a run for it. Which means, in my mind, he made a run for it with Mrs. Claus, and those elves with attitude are now hunting him down to kill him. 
That's possible. Uh, the oh. thing I, I, the first time I saw this, I was like, this is definitely the group they send after the person who doesn't want to be Santa Claus to kill him so they can move it to the next that's person. A secret hit squad. So, uh, the other thing that, like, bugs me about this kind of Mrs. Claus situation is that the elves make several references to the fact that they're hundreds of years old, uh, and it's always been the same elves, however, the Santa Clauses have swapped out a couple times already. Which means that if the Santa Claus have swapped out, based on the Mrs. Claus that we now know about, each one of them has had to have had a Mrs. Claus and worked with a wife. Uh, otherwise, they couldn't have maintained their rightful place as Santa. However, during the second movie, it's this big surprise that nobody knew about the rule of the Mrs. Claus, so Scott's losing his ability to be Santa Claus. How the fuck did they not know about this if there's been hundreds, or not necessarily hundreds... But if there's been so many actual Santa Clauses already, all of whom had to be married for them to maintain their role as Santa Claus. Or does Santa just never last like a full decade for the magic to come into effect yeah, that he that, doesn't have a Mrs. Claus? That's a plausible explanation because none of the elves seemed phased that the new Santa came in. Everyone's just like, okay, he's going to be the new Santa Claus. And they're completely surprised when he doesn't agree to it. And that was my other thought on the whole, there was no Mrs. Claus when they first got back to the North Pole, was maybe the other guy just started, like, the last year, just like Tim Allen, Scott Calvin, was doing this year. Well, that's the thing, like, the rules of being the Santa Claus are very dangerous, if you look at, uh, now, bit of a humble brag on myself, but a couple of years ago, when I used Twitter quite a bit, I did tweet once that it's pretty funny how the Santa Claus series, the rules about being Santa Claus, are very close to what the rules of being the Highlander are. <laughs> Yes. And I got retweeted by the Santa Claus Twitter, which existed about four or five years ago. Yeah. And this movie is from the mid-90s? Uh, yeah, the first one is from 96, I believe. So I'm going to take that as confirmation that they based this, and this is just Christmas Highlander. Yeah. Uh, I also like, so we've had several running jokes, jokes in our kind of friend group about the Santa Claus, as well as about the Highlander. And what's the other one that has that similar kind of logic? Um... The Vin I, I Diesel mean, movies. I mean, Chronicles of Riddick has the, like, you keep what you yes. kill concept. That, the, that's kind of the joke we've always made is, especially when we've played a fair bit of D&D, not that this is a D&D podcast, but uh, we always play the method uh, under the logic of, if something dies under your control, you're now responsible for everything it was responsible for. We've always kept referring to it as either the Santa Claus rule or the Chronicles keep of what you kill rule. It's just fantastic that the... There's these kind of similarities between these uh, projects. And just before we get too fat further into the end of the movie, there is one thing that just kind of stuck out to me and I want to discuss a bit. How the Christmas bag works. Nonsense is... Now, is it making... like So the elves make the items. Does it summon the items into the bag? Or does it create items that are needed for that situation? I think it has to summon the items into the bag. Because otherwise, why are the elves making presents if the bag is just creating the presents itself? Also, it's weird, I I have to imagine it's like some sort of pocket dimension, because we also do at one point in the later movies, see the elves loading gifts into the bag, so there has to be like some sort of, the elves create the gifts, the elves put the gifts in the bag, but then the bag appears to be empty for most of its time, like, case in point, the first house that Scott goes to as Santa, he takes all of the presents out of the bag, makes a big point to Charlie about how the bag's now empty, so he can't do it, they get to the next house, and Scott's like, I can't do it, the bag's... Huh? It's full of presents again. And the reason I started thinking about this too was in the opening scene when he's flying around the first time and he decides like, oh, I'm going to give Charlie a good Christmas and do Santa Claus stuff. When he can't find Charlie, he looks back and Charlie is there playing with a dog. I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> what? He pulled the no, dog out of the bag. No, is I, this dog real? <laughs> I, re I remember 
remember that scene, but also, like... We never see the dog again. Yeah, it, there's no dog. Like, he pulls it out and starts playing with it like it's his gift from Santa. But also, there's very clearly no dog in the rest of the movie. So how did he get it out of the bag? Did he jump into the bag to look for a dog? Or did they stop at someone's place to deliver presents? And he's like, I'm just going to keep this dog. And then after the trip, he's like, I don't want you anymore. <laughs> he just stole a dog from us and that, released it into the wild. That also brings up the fact that if they can give out dogs for Christmas, then the elves are breeding dogs and potentially other animals in the North Pole. Exactly. Oh, absolutely. I want a pony for Christmas, okay. While we're still talking about that kind of first night of Christmas, I got a couple complaints about the story. So essentially, the way it opened, they kind of first encounter Santa and everything that happens. Uh, very closely mirrors the story, the old story that everyone hears about uh, the night before Christmas... There's not a sound in the house. I forget the whole wording of the start. But Scott's reading it to Charlie uh, the night before this all goes down. And then, like, the story kind of mirrors that very closely. And there's one line where Charlie asks, what does suchuk mean? And Like, suchuk ladder. Yeah, and Scott's like, what are you talking about? He's like, a yeah, there arose ladder. There rose such a ladder. He's like, not such a ladder. Such a clatter. He's like, what's a clatter? A clatter's like a lot of noise. That's all it is. And then later on, and that's the actual wording of the poem. That's the way it's always been. There arose such a noise that caused him to get out of bed and discover the Santa. Rose from my bed to see what was the matter. And then we go outside. They kill off Santa or Santa escapes, whatever. And they're like, how are we going to get up to the roof to check on those reindeers? And then out of nowhere, a ladder appears that just says such a ladder. And it's just like, no, that's not the way the story goes. You can't just fuck up a line of purpose just so you can rewrite the story. Also, where did the ladder come from? It arose. Part of, probably part of the Santa Claus. Hey, the new guy has to get up onto the roof somehow. We'll just throw a random magic ladder into we'll, the claws. We'll throw a random magic such a ladder. <laughs> this sounds like that Scott Calvin and his family has been watched for months leading up to this so that they could purposefully just fuck with them when they're turning into Santa Claus. Oh, okay. So, other idea. Uh, because you're right, it seems a little bit weird that he fell off the roof and died from this, especially when landing in a big pile of fluffy snow. And his he boots also, were upright, they weren't flat. And he also waved at, uh, Scott afterwards. What if the reason the elves aren't surprised that Santa died or disappeared over the course of his trip isn't because Santa ran away, but because while he was up on the roof, some of those elves with attitudes actually shot him with like a poison dart, which caused him to fall off the roof. He slowly died. He slowly died, which is why he's able to wave from the ground. And then once Scott and the kid turn around, the elves strip his body down and take the corpse away. So that all that's left is the clothes for Scott and he, to put on. He's not even waving at him. Like he's, a, he's asking Christmas. for help. Please get over here. I no, need I, assistance. I, I took a completely different one. He's not asking for help. He knows what they're planning to do. They're planning on making this man a Santa Claus. He's trying to shoo them he's away. Like, get, get out of here. Save yourselves. Don't trust the elves. Oh my god, that's so much better! That explains everything so well! And that's why they're also not weirded out about Mrs. Claus not being there. They also killed off Mrs. Claus! Oh. It's not magic that causes Mrs. Claus to disappear when Santa Claus disappears. It's the elves that cause Mrs. Claus With to attitude. disappear. And their kindness when they get back is so much more terrifying. It's like, yeah, we just killed someone, but here, have a nice hot cup of cocoa. The perfect hot chocolate. Made from human bones. That explains so much. <laughs> 
So I suppose we should continue explaining the actual plot of this movie and not what the actual plot should be. The second half of the movie, well, second half, but the middle part of the movie is essentially him transforming into Santa Claus. It's him reluctantly transforming into Santa yeah, Claus. Yeah, well, the magic does... makes him larger, craves sweets, like cookies, sugar, Grows milk. a big old beard. One point when he goes into work because he can't fit into all his clothes, he's wearing a sweatsuit. One of his coworkers like comments on that and he's like, oh, my... Shoots at, suits at the dry cleaner, so I have to wear this for today. I was stung by a Big B. And I was stung by a B. Big B, that's why I'm swollen. Everyone's like, okay. And he's like, oh, are we ordering lunch? And then he orders, like, a laundry list of sweets. And everyone's like, ah, oh, stung by a B, eh? What the fuck is wrong with you? And it's like, the man wants to eat. He's still doing his job. Fuck right off. <laughs> and then he just shits on this man for trying to put Santa Claus in a tank? Yeah. Yep. They're trying to sell a tank toy. And they're like, no, 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 you're not destroying Santa Claus's image. What are these elves? They should look cuter and happier, not old and decrepit. <laughs> they should look like children, not crazy people. But if our theory's true, they are crazy people. They are crazy people. They're definitely not children. No, just with the face of innocence. Uh, at the same time, Charlie's mom and stepdad have both come to the conclusion that Scott is trying to emulate Santa as a way of stealing him away and trying to perpetuate the lie that they all agreed that Charlie doesn't need to believe in Santa anymore, so let's convince him that Santa, or now Scott's trying to convince him that Santa's real and that he is Santa. So they just become real confused and defensive of uh, Charlie, which causes a lot of problems for Scott in his home life. He's not really allowed to see his kids. There's one moment where he goes to watch Charlie's soccer game and kids start lining up to sit on his lap to ask him for presents. He's not even dressed as Santa. He's just a fat guy with a beard and everyone wants to sit on his lap to ask him for presents. And Charlie's mom and stepdad show up, and I think they're rightfully creeped out by the fact that oh, yeah. Scott's got a line of kids waiting to sit yeah. on his well, lap. That's the beautiful thing about this movie, too, because like, the movie does pl uh, play down that line where like no one trusts them, and there's even the line where they're going to the judge for determining custody, and Charlie leans into his dad, and he's like, don't worry, I told him everything. I'm like, oh, oh, that's bad, that's yeah, really bad. I'm never going to see you again, kiddo. Uh, but up till that last moment, even the part where he ends up kidnapping Charlie... Essentially, because that is what happened. He does oh, kidnap yeah. Charlie. He fully kidnaps Charlie. He goes to say goodbye to Charlie for the last time because he's going to move to the North Pole. And Bernard shows up and he's like, why doesn't he just come with us? Why does he have to stay here? And Scott's like, oh yeah, fuck, I forgot. Kidnapping's an option. And he just fully kidnaps Charlie. And, and now here's the beautiful part about this movie. Up to this point, only Charlie and Scott see the elves and the magic. So up to this point, you could fully assume this movie could be like some sort of thriller where he is actually going crazy and seeing things. Oh yeah, it's fully oh, yeah. just from his point of view and he believes all that's happening, but none of it's actually happening. I could buy it. So that. this movie could have been like had the amazing twist at the end. It's like, oh no, he was crazy. Yes. That that would be a phenomenal thing. It's like it shows like at the end of the film him like breaking back into the host to leave them presents because he believes he said it. So at the end of the movie, he ends up coming back around to deliver presents. While he's delivering presents, he returns Charlie to his mom. The mom and stepdad both find out that he is actually Santa. Just because he says he's Santa, and for some reason this time, the mother believes him. She's yes. like, oh, he's Santa, and then runs off to get him, like, something. And, but Dr. Neil is still like, I don't know about this. And then, the, and then Bernard shows up. He's like, hey, did we make that sweater? Yeah, we made that sweater. There's also the fact that the first time Scott goes to deliver presents to this house, the police are waiting for him because they assume he's a kidnapper. Which, first of all, is completely batshit fucking crazy because the parents, uh, up until this point, assume he's lying about being Santa and is just trying to steal away Charlie by pretending to be Santa. But then they decide he's absolutely going to break into our house on Christmas uh, Eve 
or midnight on Christmas Eve. So let's get all the police to come into the house and wait for him to come in. And the moment he comes in, we'll kidnap him. Which, like, also the police are standing outside the living room with guns drawn waiting for him to come in. Which <laughs> and flashlights all over the place. And flashlights all over the place. They know he's going to enter via the chimney. So there's still so many questions going on. So they fully believe at this point that he is Santa Claus. But they still decide they're going to arrest him for kidnapping Charlie. Because they see how big he is and how small the chimney is when they go inside the room. It's like, how do they not put the two and two together? My favorite scene from all of this, too, has to be after he's arrested, they got him interrogation, and the cop's like, I'm going to ask your name, and you're going to say Scott Calvin. Name, Santa Claus. Name, Chris Kringle. <laughs> like, going through all the different languages after that. Ho, ho, she, ho. Yeah, it's saying all the different possible names for Santa Claus. It's great. Uh, so, yeah, we go on. He gets kidnapped. He gets released by the Elves with Attitude, who at this point are very well practiced in murder. And they have the tools for the job, too. Tinsel that cuts through metal. Yep. That's just terrifying. Oh, that's that. just a groat wire. That's all that is. <laughs> uh, so then we get back to the part where the, the parents end up finally agreeing, like, oh, he is Santa Claus. And one of my favorite things in this part is when she goes off to get her gift for him. She comes back with the legal papers that are the restraining order, where, like, you have no visitation rights. And it's like, here's my gift to you, and throws it into the fire. And I'm like, that's not how legal papers work. No, He no. still has to be at least a certain amount of distance from this kid. Yeah. You revoking that kind of belief, are you saying he's allowed to visit the kid again? doesn't free him up at this point if he tries to visit the kids and uh the cops catch him and they're like we've got a restraining order against you you can't come in here if the mom comes out and he's like no no it's all right he actually is santa that does not allow him to see the kid that means the mom has now been indoctrinated into his lie <laughs> oh that changes everything now neither of you get to see the kid social services it is also, dr neil wins again also that's why Wait, dr neil's a psychiatrist what if he's slowly been making them crazy oh my god oh. It is a weird twisted way of hating Santa Claus for not giving them that wiener whistle. I love that. So there's one point just before they're going to the judge and they're talking about when they realized Santa wasn't real. And for both of them, it's they asked for a specific present from Santa and neither of them got it. Which is a weird way to discover that Santa isn't real. Mystery date and the Oscar Mayer wiener whistle. Yes. And he, Dr. Neil points out he lost, stopped believing in Santa when he was like three years old because he didn't get this fucking wiener whistle. Yeah. He's just a spoiled brat. He was probably on the naughty list. Probably. Almost definitely. I didn't get a weeder whistle. I got some fucking coal and a note about how I have to be better next year. Santa's a fake bullshit. Now, Neil is actually a fun character throughout this movie because there's a part two earlier that I really enjoyed where he's having the conversation with Charlie about how Santa's not real. And then Charlie hits him back with the, well, have you seen a million dollars? He's like, well, no. It's like, there you go. <laughs> well, have you ever seen that... Santa? Or have you ever seen reindeers that fly? I have. Outside that one time. No. How do you know they exist? Have you ever seen a million dollars? No. <laughs> Checkmate, D Neil. Like, I also like, have Have you ever seen reindeer fly? Yes. Well, I haven't. <laughs> he actually has a shitty stepdad name too. Okay, Neil. <laughs> Get out of my room, Neil. Oh, no, God. It's... Back, back to the elves being uh, evil, though. <laughs> the reason Bernard suggested that Scott Calvin bring the kid back with him to the North Pole 
so the elves can begin their indoctrination of the kid. So that when they decide that Scott Calvin is no longer fitted to the role of Santa, they can off him like they just off the previous one well, and I'm, replace him right away. I'm telling you, it already fucking worked, because if we remember the last line of the movie, when uh, Neil says, you're going to make a great psychiatrist one day, Charlie looks up and says, I think I'm going to go into the family business, which means he literally just said, I'm going to kill my dad one day yeah. and take his job. Yeah. I'm going to become Santa one day. That's my plan. Uh, which is amazing. I also... So, I'm going to touch briefly on the next two movies that happen. So, uh, Santa Claus 2 is, as we've already discussed, all about the Mrs. Claus. So, it's discovered that there's an additional clause to the Santa Claus that no one was aware of, which is that Santa has to find a wife and marry her uh, within the next 28 days, or else uh, he stops being Santa forever and loses all of his magical powers. And then he has to kind of go out into the wild, he finds a wife, he brings her back to the North Pole, uh, and marries her. The plot of the movie is a little bit more stretched than that because he finds a woman who he hates at first, slowly realizes he likes her over the course of time. She does not know he's Santa Claus. He actually tells her that she's Santa Claus. She has the reasonable reaction of, fuck you, you're crazy, and stops talking to him. She gets brought to the North Pole to save the day. And then when she's saving the day, Scott's like, oh, by the way, while you're here, marry me or you're ruining Santa uh, Christmas for millions <laughs> of kids around the world. She's like, ah, uh, we have to get married. He's like, I mean, I don't want to put pressure on you. But yes, if you don't, you're ruining Christmas. Which, hell of a way to coerce a woman yeah. into marriage. Your standard Hallmark Christmas rom-com. Yes. Then we find out in the third movie that there's an escape clause, which is if Santa ever doesn't want to be Santa, he can just easily say, I wish I had never been Santa at all. While holding a specific snow globe, he immediately stops being Santa, goes back in time to the moment he became Santa, and someone else takes the role for him. Uh, which means that existed the entire time. So during that first movie, during that chunk of time when Santa did not want to, or when Scott did not want to be Santa, he could have easily just been like, yeah, I wish I'd never become Santa at all. And then he never would have been Santa and everything would have been fine. All and, his legal troubles and all that bullshit. And because the escape clause existed, that means the elves knew about it because they told him about it, didn't they? Yes. No. Did they tell him about it? Yeah, well, the elves did know about it because... Oh, fuck. Let's talk some more about Santa Claus 3, the worst of the three Santa Claus movies. Uh, the plot of Santa Claus 3 is that Jack Frost wants to take over the role of Santa, so he finds out about the Santa the escape clause from some elves, right. and then he uses that to trick Santa into giving up the role of being Santa so that he can become Santa yeah. and sell merch to people. But because the elves knew about this, they didn't let the old Santa Claus use the escape clause. They just straight out killed him instead. Well, doesn't this reset time in a sense? Yeah, so the way it works in the third movie is that Scott goes back in time, he watches Jack Frost become Santa Claus, and then it jumps them forward to the future, to that point in time, where the only two of them who have any memory of the previous timeline are Jack Frost and Scott Calvin, and everyone else has just been living the past 30 years with this Jack Frost as Santa Claus. And so, yeah, it resets the timeline. No one has any memory and it kind of completely changes the way the world worked from that point onwards. Yeah. I believe the third movie, the best way to explain it is it's pretty much a wonderful life. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, I wish I had never done this. Well, here's what the world would look like if you didn't do this. Fuck, I should have done this. But yeah, so we kind of know that if the other guy had have wanted to escape, he could have just used the escape clause. So I don't think he did run away. I think the elves specifically killed him off to ensure that they could manipulate who the next Santa would be. Well, that too, and if time's being reset and only people that go through the time loop know what happened, then the elves don't want to be in that situation where they don't have the power, right? Yes. Yeah. They're clearly the evil cabal running this whole Christmas game. Yeah. Santa's just a 
figurehead puppet that the elves control to do exactly what they want. We even see at one point during the second movie, the elves replace Santa with a toy version of Santa who they can more directly control. Only it backfires and they realize that humans are more easily manipulable than toys are. <laughs> yeah. Although, I do want to say that for that uh, Mrs. Claus, to have such an important rule for the Santa Claus clause to be in the fine print of the fine print where they need like 10 magnifying glasses to see it. Yeah. That seems like a bit of an oversight on writing the clause. Who wrote the Santa Claus? Well, if the Santa Claus isn't even written like a legal contract. It's a fucking business card that says, put on my jacket and you can finish out the night or whatever. And then there's like seven different layers of fine print. I, I believe the exact wording is, if something should happen to me, put on the put on suit. The, suit. the, the suit. reindeer will, reindeer know, what will know what to do. What to do. Yeah, absolutely. So... It's not even telling them what they're agreeing to. And then there's two separate layers of finer print that you cannot possibly read by looking at this business card. And if you do, fuck it. Your life's completely changed forever and you have no choice about it except you absolutely have a choice about it. Who wrote the Santa Claus? <laughs> the elves, obviously. That's why... <laughs> so, Santa has been Santa for almost a decade. No, not a decade. He's been Santa for like six or so years. By the time the Mrs. Claus becomes a problem, yeah. it's probably because Santa was getting a little bit crazy. Then the elves were like, you know how we control him? We give him a wife and a kid to care about. And then if we control the wife and kid, he does what we say. They're hostages. <laughs> so I don't think the Mrs. Claus is actually a thing that causes him to lose his magical power. I think they literally wrote it on the card. And the elves using their magic started sapping Santa's magic and convincing him that the only way he could get it back is to marry a wife. They're like little evil Christmas vampires. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they feed off the dreams of kids envisioning white Christmases and all that and happy toys. Well, I mean, we got to think about this. Like, what is the elves' endgame in this? Because clearly delivering the presents is not the goal. Eternal life. Eternal life? And eventual enslavement of the entire world, perhaps? Maybe the believing is a literal thing and they feed off belief. Yeah, because as the, to go back to the one line that we hear repeatedly through the first movie, seeing is not believing, believing is seeing. It, it's just like, uh, I think it was Clash of the Titans, that god movie, where the gods get their power from their believers. Exactly. So the elves, it's not that they, if you believe in them, you will see them. It's that they can only be seen if enough people believe in them. So the children's belief in Christmas is what manifested the elves to exist. So their whole end game is to make sure that ch enough children continue to believe in Santa and hopefully to spread it to the point where enough adults also start believing in Santa that their kind of power grows and they can remain in corporeal form for the rest of time. <laughs> so are we saying that the elves are quite possibly... Within the uh, American Gods universe. <laughs> oh, absolutely. The elves are 100% the American Gods universe. <laughs> it's getting a lot darker than we initially thought. <laughs> yeah, like, if if they were to do a sequel to that story, uh, after kind of Odin and Loki have this whole war over America and all this bullshit, we would have, a, like, a moment, like, the next book would be all about the elves coming down from the North Pole and putting shit back where it fucking belongs. Uh, now, for uh, anyone, just because we did mention it, if you haven't seen American Gods, the concept of it is it's kind of like modern uh, day where we find out God's powers are tied directly to their believers, but new gods have been created as well. Because of people's belief in magic, or not magic, media, in media and money, technology. technology are the hidden gods. realm that controls the world. 
Uh, so yeah, all these different gods exist, and it's a war between old gods who have actual power and who have been around for the longest time, and these new gods who have popped up based on people's beliefs. And Santa also. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Somehow. It fits in timeline-wise. Yes. Well, not Santa, the elves, for some yeah, reason. So, yes, the elves. Technically, it should be Santa if you think about it, but maybe the elves are manipulating Santa and they're creating a demigod that they can sap powers from. Exactly. Much like the plot of American Gods. So we've decided that uh, American Gods is just a retelling of the Santa Claus from a different point of view. It's the prequel. Yeah. <laughs> That's why they kill off this Santa Claus at the beginning, because he was out of the game. They needed a new one who didn't know what was going on. Yeah. All right. Let's go down this rabbit hole and talk about the second movie. Now. <laughs> we've talked a fair bit about the third movie. We kind of jumped over the Mrs. Claus and the whole shenanigans that happens there. Saving the best for last? Saving no. the mediumist from last. Oh, okay. Sh- yeah, because just the introduction of the second movie just shows that there is there is no continuity planned by the directors at all. Oh, absolutely not. So the second movie opens up with the fact that Santa's now close personal friends with all of the other legendary beings. Father Time, Mother Earth, Tooth Fairy, the Cupid. Easter Bunny. The Easter Bunny. We also find out that Scott has been, or not Scott, uh, Charlie has been acting out in school, spray painting the school repeatedly because his principal doesn't believe in Christmas, which is a weird thing to act out about because all the adults in that universe don't believe in Christmas. So why would it be a big deal that your principal doesn't? And so because if I'm correct, the principal becomes the wife. The principal does become the wife. Charlie knew because the elf indoctrination. Uh, so Charlie was in on the indoctrination. He was trying to indoctrinate the principal from the beginning. Uh, Scott ends up coming back to the real world, partially to deal with Charlie, partially to find a wife. Uh, at the same time, the elves create a toy copy of Santa. So that, sorry, two specific elves make a toy copy of Santa. And tell none of the other elves. Specifically so that they maintain order while Santa's not gone. Which, I feel like Santa already takes trips around the world during the regular year i don't think they needed to maintain order without santa there no whatever we already saw one movie where he spent the entire fucking year up until christmas eve not in the north pole but whatever (laughs) so we see the kids uh we see scott kind of go back to the real world he ends up helping charlie a little bit but then also fighting with charlie because charlie hates his principal and scott starts dating the principal we also see at one point that Scott goes to the staff party at the school after he starts flirting with the principal. And it's just a boring mess of people drinking alcohol, which sounds like most of the staff parties <laughs> I've been to. But Scott's like, this isn't what a Christmas party should be like. Where's the secret Santa? And the principal's like, yeah, we're not doing that. That's not this a, is a public school. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I forgot also that at this point, Scott had a watch that showed, okay, this is exactly how much magic you have left. So don't use it all or you're never going to become Santa again. Yes. Uh, you can never get back to the North Pole without the magic. Right. And then, so Scott uh, ends up deciding to uh, make this party better by hosting Secret Santa. So he uses some more of the magic that he has left to give everyone the gifts that they always wanted. Yeah, and the best part is, like, he jumps up on the stage and he's like, we're gonna do Secret Santa now to make things better. And the principal's like, we we didn't do Secret Santa. No, stop, stop, I don't know what you're doing. It's like, what about all these presents here? And she's like, no, they're, they're just decorations. There's no actual presents in those boxes. They're just decorations. It's like, what about the big bag of presents? And she's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And then he... You're a crazy man. <laughs> you're a crazy man. He goes back, he buys, brings out a big bag of presents and starts giving them what everyone exclaims about how it was exactly what they always wanted. He even gives her exactly what she always wanted. 
Which is weird because she told him about it like maybe 20 minutes ago on a sleigh ride into town. Yep. And so she like pulls him aside and she's like, what the fuck was that bullshit? And he was like, I just, people just needed to see that Christmas is a good time and people can enjoy it. And then she responded with like, seems like some kind of madman learned everything he could about all of the teachers at this school by like slowly stalking us. And then went on eBay and bought everything we had ever wanted to give it to us. Which is crazy because he only found out about what I wanted 20 minutes ago. Does eBay do 20 minute deliveries? <laughs> no. Uh, and then he, so he looks at his watch this time. Realizes that he has one unit of magic left over. And she's just kind of like, this is crazy. I don't know how this makes any sense. Uh, and he's like, oh, it was just a little bit of magic, I guess. And then he uses the last of his magic to make some mistletoe so that he can kiss her. Which is weird priorities right there, Santa. You still need the magic to get back to the North Pole. A little bit later on, she takes him back to her house. Where he explains that he is, in fact, Santa Claus. Because if you're going to start a relationship that's going to last all of time, or until the elves decide to kill you off, you kind of need to have that knowledge baked into it from the beginning. She is not on board with this, because as we've no. already said, she does not believe in Santa much like every other adult in the universe. And her indoctrination isn't quite finished. <laughs> nope. So she sends him away, and he gets all kind of pouty and walks away. At the same time, Charlie is very pissed off because he's been flirting with her. Uh, so Scott kind of sits down Charlie, and he's like, Hey, I love you, bud. I'm not choosing her over you. But also, I kind of like her, too, and I need to marry someone or else Santa stops existing. At which point, an elf comes down from the North Pole and is like, Hey, shit's getting fucked up in the top because that toy Santa was a terrible idea of ours. I'm putting all the blame on you for this, even though I'm the one who did all the toy Santa making. It's your fault. You need to fix this. And Scott's like, I can't get back to the North Pole. I'm out of magic. And so they end up yanking the tooth out of a child, if I remember correctly. Yes. Uh, and then using that to trap the Tooth Fairy so that they can get back to the North Pole. The Tooth Fairy does not realize they're Santa at this point in time because he has completely gone through the transformation and no longer looks like Santa. They can coerce the Tooth Fairy to bring them back to the North Pole. They get kidnapped in the t North Pole and then uh, by the Toy Santa. Because all this time the Toy Santa realized, hey, I don't really like how things are being run here. Everything is too gung-ho happy. Everything needs to be more uniform in order. And so he starts using the same machine that was used to create him to create his own army of toys. Yeah, he creates a toy soldier army. I mean, the issue here, too, is we know what happens with Robot Santa down the line. We've seen Futurama. This doesn't turn out well. Why would you build a Robot Santa? Ugh, the elves haven't seen Futurama, that's why. <laughs> Fair enough. So Everybody's on the naughty list. And that's exactly what it is. He determines that everyone's on the naughty list, and so... The North Pole is no longer a boat making toys. It's a boat making coal. That is all the North Pole does anymore. <laughs> so he determines everyone's on the naughty list. They go up there. They get kidnapped. At this point, we see Charlie repel in from the roof of the North Pole, which is a thing that exists, along with the principal of the school. And he's like, hey, I brought her up here to the North Pole. She's like, holy fuck, you actually are Santa. I don't know why I agreed to go to the North Pole until I realized <laughs> just now when I just realized that you're Santa. They get brought to the North Pole. We find out that the way they got to the North Pole is Charlie is now missing a tooth as well because he ripped out one of his own teeth yep. in order to... But he's a teenager. He's, <laughs> he's not going to grow any more teeth. He just fucking lost a tooth in order to get to the North Pole. Man, this kid is really like drinking the eggnog, if you will. <laughs> yeah. he's, he's fully accepted that this is his lot in life to serve the elves. I live to serve the elves. 
And then they kind of free Santa, or free Scott. He tracks down Toy Santa, comes back to the North Pole, and he's like, I gotta deliver these gifts. But real quick, me and you, we gotta tie this knot. And she's like, we met, like, a week ago. Why are we getting married? And he's like, you have to, though. And she's like, fuck it. All right, let's do this. And then they get married. And it's just the weirdest fucking timeline of events. You standard Hallmark Christmas rom-com. <laughs> yeah, the first one's all about a uh, father learning to love the holidays and love his kids, even though he's a big, important businessman. The second one is all about the importance of tricking women into marrying you because you're Santa Claus, or else Christmas is ruined. And also, I mean, that's probably the best pickup line. And also still being important to your family. And then the third one is all about realizing that being Santa is not half bad, and you should probably stay as Santa. <laughs> It's like the elves are trying to convince us, the audience. The first movie I've seen plenty of times. The second movie I've seen a couple times. The third movie I only watched the once. Because the, it was bad. The third movie I've now seen twice. And to say twice, I should really say on three separate occasions. Because I saw it once. It was bad. I agreed to never watch it again. In preparation for this podcast, I decided to rewatch the third one. I got halfway through and then just turned it off. I was like, nope. Not gonna happen. And like two days later, went back and was like, "All right, fuck it, let's finish this train wreck of a fucking movie." Uh, now, funny enough, barely remember the third one, but I remember the second one kind of vaguely. And I remember the thing that was most like I disliked about the second one was the fact that the other fairy tale creatures exist. Yeah, because it's just so out of place with like kind of what they established in the first one. Well, it also raises the question of: Do the other fairy tale characters follow the same logic of Santa Claus? Which is, if someone shoots and skins the Easter Bunny, do they become the Easter Bunny? As long as they put on the fur. Ugh. And like, how the hell do you become the Tooth Fairy, though? <laughs> I, I assume it's some sort of situation where, like, you are hanging on your host, you hear some noise, you assume someone's breaking into your child's room, so you obviously go in there and kidnap them, and then. Or- or well, not Beat them over the head with a bat or something. And then you're like, is this guy wearing wings? What do those look like on me? And then you try on the wings and all of a sudden you're the tooth fairy. <laughs> it's like the character says, pull up the kid's tooth, you'll see what happens. <laughs> Rip all of the teeth out of your child's head, you'll understand what no, happens so next. The blood ritual must be completed. Just look in my wallet. They look in his wallet and see, like, thousands of dollars. Dollar coins. Of quarters and loonies. Yeah. And they're I- like, I want this money. They take the wallet and then oh. they become the tooth fairy. That's an even better question. Does the Tooth Fairy have a magic wallet that it just has di- all of the different denominations of money in it? Because if he just says loonies, most of the world's getting pretty pissed off about the fact that they got a loony under their bed when a loony makes no sense as a concept of money. <laughs> the fuck's a loony? <laughs> he but, can just destroy the world's economy. The, specifically the Canadian economy if it's just loonies. <laughs> <laughs> Does that mean he's gonna go to like the exchange place to get like the money changed over? He's like, shit, I got like... Three kids in Japan, I gotta go. Better go to the store. And then, yeah, my other favorite is Cupid. How the fuck does someone become Cupid? Do they have to put on the diaper and then shrink down to baby size? Or just picking up the diaper, turn them into a baby, and then they put on the diaper? And you have to shoot someone with an arrow. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like a lot of these jobs, like, are very difficult ends. Whereas, like, the Santa Claus like, just put on the suit, the reindeer will do it. And it's like, you need to shoot this person with this bow and arrow. Or rip out that child's tooth. For, like, father time, you just have to become decrepit. It's just like... Just watch my body decay to dust. It will know what to do. <laughs> the Easter Bunny's probably the easy one. Just go hide some eggs around someone's house. <laughs> Just sh- take a big dump. The eggs will know what to do. <laughs> Shit in this basket. <laughs> Would you rather the Santa Claus fairy tale we have now, 
or would you rather the Santa Claus Santa Claus be the actual Santa Claus of fairy tales? So the, to clarify, do you mean the Santa Claus Santa Claus as in the one from the movies or the one we've come up as our own headcanon? The one that we've come up with as the actual truth. I actually really enjoy the concept of the elves being like an evil cabal that are running things. That being said, I don't want it to be true because that's fucking horrifying. <laughs> But don't you want to be Santa? No! Not if it means being controlled by elves. I mean, Charlie really wants to be Santa. I want that movie to come up. Uh, yeah, I want them to do like 20 years from now. The Santa Claus 4. The Santa Claus 4, the reclosing, and it just <laughs> opens with like Charlie holding a bloody knife and Scott's corpse on the ground. <laughs> no, just, it's him up on the roof and then all of a sudden he slips and then his pans down. It's like, so like, hey, someone clearly iced this roof with buckets of water. And just a murder is like, who killed Santa Claus? It releases on Halloween, Santa Claus 4, the red snow. And then, like, the whole thing is, like, uh, Charlie takes over the job, and then we find out at the end, it's like, oh, wait a second, Charlie killed him. Oh! He what iced that roof. What if it was, like, a uh, mystery crime thriller, and it's Charlie finding out that Scott died, and him, like, taking on the role of Santa, while also trying to figure out who killed Santa? That, that would be pretty badass. But then we'd have yeah. to go with the... Like, we'd have to really lean into how crazy Charlie is, because clearly Charlie killed Santa. Yes, Charlie did kill Santa. In Unless... plays like Memento, where like the whole movie's about him trying to find out who killed his wife, only for it to be told in the end that he's the one who killed his wife. Unless Scar Calvin decides he's going to retire in a couple of years, so Charlie's getting ready, but then, before Scott Calvin can actually retire, some other random person gets the Santa Claus outfit. Just the same way that Scott Calvin did. And so Charlie's like, no, I'm not having any of this. It's getting back in the family. I've got to kill this guy. <laughs> so, to clarify, by the same way Scott did, you mean that the elves got fed up with Scott, killed off Scott, and so some other random guy yeah, got so, Some up. other random guy's just telling his childhood bedtime story there. Here's some bloke up on his yeah, roof. And then Charlie's like, no, I'm the Santa Claus. So it's like, oh, just, uh, I've been <laughs> training for this all my life. And it's him just walking around with a shotgun, sitting beside the fireplace on Midnight <laughs> on Christmas Eve. Mouse game where he's trying to find and kill the current Santa Planning Claus. all year round for how he's going to yeah. trap Santa. Oh, it essentially becomes like a cross between Home Alone and a crime thriller. <laughs> For some reason, Sam's like, I gotta deliver a present in this house. But he's like, I'm gonna kill you if you come to this house. I didn't know there was a kid that lived here. Tra no, Charlie just like posts up in like some kid's house. He's he, like, he gets into an orphanage full oh. of children and he gives. Oh, even better. So we also know that uh, Scott's ex-wife and the stepdad end up having another kid after, uh, in between the first and second movie. She goes on to have more kids. Charlie posts up in her house as, like, the kooky uncle. Uh, and he, like, tells them the story of Santa Claus. And, like, the sister, like, very clearly knows about Santa Claus and all that stuff, too. But she's gotten to the point where she's kind of forgotten this story as well as she becomes an adult. Charlie has never forgotten. So he posts up in the house as, like, the kooky uncle. With full intention of killing the new Santa Claus so he can take on the role for himself. Yeah, there's a scene of him like, just beating the shit of Santa Claus. The girl comes out and goes, what are you doing to Santa? He's like, go back to bed. Yeah. Hey, you just reminded me. Mrs. Claus was pregnant with a kid in one of the movies. In the, in the third movie. Is that kid going to grow up to be Santa? Or is, is that kid automatically an elf? I think being born in the North Pole forces him into elf long life. <laughs> just imagine like an elf situation in this so universe. So that's how the elves... Guarantee that they continue to exist and they keep growing their numbers to make their army to eventually take over the world. Oh, that's a really... So that that's a good point because the point is, in the second movie we find out, Bernard brings up the fact that we need to find uh, Mrs. Claus for you so you can have a family and continue to be Santa Claus. 
In the third movie, Bernard's not there anymore. Was Bernard replaced by the new Baby Claus? And then that could explain why they kill off the Santa Clauses every so often, because like they don't want them to get attached to the baby, so the baby doesn't have an attachment back and betray the elves. Right. Exactly. Which means that, if we're right about this, because the baby's born right at the end of Santa Claus 3, that could very easily mean that Scott's dying that Christmas, because the baby's delivered, then he goes away to deliver presents. Do they kill off Scott and Mrs. Claus that night to ensure that the baby has no attachments to the Clauses? Oh. And then they have to find a fill-in Santa Claus until Charlie's ready to kill him and take over the role. This is fascinating. The series just got better. <laughs> we redeemed the entire series. So do you have a question, Keith? Not anymore. <laughs> Not I have nothing we, but answers. Uh, I think we've answered every question yes, there could be. We have solved all of the mysteries. <sighs> we've tied up all the loose ends and put together all the continuity flaws. This conspiracy has now been brought to light I mean, it's pretty somber and to their our christmas special it's like yeah santa claus is dead uh but uh, uh speaking of which happy holidays and all that jazz yeah. uh but i guess thank you for listening to our podcast <laughs> <laughs> please don't stop listening to our podcast uh you can uh, find us at all major podcasting services uh tune in in two weeks time when we discuss what our next episode could be again if you have any comments uh questions uh have uh, suggested what our episode could be about and that email is what is my podcast about at gmail.com so i sorry i just have one quick question i i thought of it right now i know it's a little bit late in the podcast but how long do you think that santa Con or when do you think santa first started being a thing because my thought is it was a long time ago and if i had to guess like where santa like came to being i would guess like probably a galaxy far far away that's possible i think he's an alien Oh, he's I, I, at, well. I, the elves are definitely aliens. I think he's just like the original like German toy maker, or whoever Santa started out as. Maybe who knows? <laughs> that is funny.